This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we try to unjumble an important and sometimes under-the-radar statewide story that affects you. And something that really does affect everybody is the economy. Speak for yourself, Shayna. I am still trading and bartering furs and pelts. <laughs> so, you know, you can have your economy. Well, for the rest of us who are using actual dollars and cents, uh, the economy is something that really does impact every single one of us, both here in Michigan and really across the world. So to bring in somebody to kind of help us unpack Michigan's economy and sort of the difference between how people are viewing it versus how it's doing, we brought in Michigan State University professor of economics, Charles Ballard. Charlie, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, Charlie, uh, the governor in her State of the Union response uh, made a point that I think was sort of uh, something that a lot of people responded to, which was, we talk a lot about the economy. Uh, The president talks about how well it's going. But here in Michigan, not everyone is feeling the growth that some politicians like to tout. Uh, Talk a little bit about the reality of what she's saying there. Is that accurate? Well, yeah, at least to a point. Clearly, when you say the word the economy as if it was one thing, that's inherently misleading because, you know, the economy for a thoracic surgeon and the economy for a custodian are very, very different things. Overall, uh, how are we doing in Michigan? Well, way better than 2009, which was a disastrous year. But Uh, We remain 32nd or 33rd among the 50 states in terms of per capita income. Um, And uh, in the last three years especially, our economy has slowed down uh, distinctly. The last three years, job growth and GDP, gross domestic product growth in Michigan, have decidedly slowed down. So... Uh, I think some people are feeling very good about the economy. We are at a better situation than we were a decade ago, but there are a lot of areas for concern. How does how the economy is actually doing compare to how most people in Michigan think the economy is doing? Well, we I'm involved with the State of the State Survey, which is run through the College of Social Science, the Institute for Public Policy and Social Research here at MSU. And we regularly ask a question of a sample of Michigan adults about how do you feel about the economy? How do you feel about your financial position right now in your household? And about half said excellent or good. Um, and uh, our, our numbers generally are, are, are pretty pretty good. They're not quite as good as the best they were back 20 years ago, but they're way better than what they were 10 years ago. So uh, it's kind of uh, it's kind of a mix. I think there are a lot of people who are doing okay. And then there are plenty of Michiganders who are struggling as well. Uh, Charlie, we talk a lot um, in the media, especially about whether or not a recession uh, could be coming. Uh, and and obviously, I think a lot of that is speculative. Uh, but I, I just want to get your thoughts quickly on, um, you know, how much can change and how quickly when it comes to the economy and what that means for the average Michigander. Well, um, recessions, when they come, uh, usually come um, kind of quickly. Uh, and uh, forecasting them is is very difficult. Uh, six months ago, I think there was a lot of concern that the uh, national economy was on the brink of a recession. We've done somewhat better in the last few months. 
so that there isn't nearly as much talk about the possibility of a recession, although I think it's inevitable that a recession will come sooner or later. But Michigan's economy has been sort of what I consider not in a recession, but kind of on the edge of a recession hmm. for for a while. In, in this year, we've had almost no job growth. And our gross domestic product has barely, barely grown. We've grown much less rapidly than the rest of the country. That's not just true in Michigan. It's true in Indiana, Ohio, Wisconsin, Illinois. This entire Great Lakes region has uh, is not in recession, but boy, it's in a period of very slow growth. So talk to us about what are some ways that people can be good, informed citizens when it comes to thinking about the economy and whether it's doing well for them, but also statewide? Well, one thing is to listen to your your broadcast and your podcast, and they'll, <laughs> they'll learn more uh, from that. I mean, Love I, that. Think, I think most people don't really know what the numbers are. Uh, so let me give you some numbers. Uh, as we came out of the Great Recession in, in Michigan, for about six years, we averaged uh, adding 75,000 jobs a year. Then in 2017 and 18, we averaged a little more than 40,000 jobs a year. This year, from January to December, we added about 8,000 jobs. In fact, for much of the year, we were in negative territory. That is, we had fewer jobs than we had had in January of 2019. That's a fact that I think those are a set of facts that I think most people don't know. And if they do know it, you know, that will inform their understanding of how the economy is doing, which is uh, definitely in the so-so category. Uh, Similarly, gross domestic product, that's the dollar value of all the goods and services that are produced. We in Michigan have grown less rapidly than the U.S. average for the last three years and for most years in the last decade. Same is true for all the other states in the uh, in the Great Lakes region, also Kentucky, West Virginia, Pennsylvania. This last year, it's been especially slow growth. From third quarter of 2018 to third quarter of 2019, our economy barely grew at all, less than four-tenths of one percent, whereas the national average was about 2.1 percent. When it comes to the idea of income inequality or wealth inequality, uh, which I know are two different things, but uh, this is something that we hear a lot, especially as elections are looming. Um, Here in Michigan, how does it look in our state compared to what we hear a lot about uh, sort of that gap nationally? Well, income inequality, uh, the trend for the nation is basically that those at the very, very top have done astonishingly well. Those near the top have done very, very well. Um, So those groups have pulled away from the middle. The middle has not pulled away very much from the bottom. And that's especially true in Michigan because our middle class was so strong uh, a generation ago. uh, But with the shrinkage of manufacturing, um, the, the middle class has not done well in Michigan. So our overall trend is similar to the nation the top in Michigan has pulled away from the middle. The middle has not pulled away from the bottom. And that's a very long-term trend. That's really something that goes back uh, 40 years. 
Hmm. uh, to the late 70s, early 80s. And looking in that history, I'm curious, have there been policies or things that have happened um, more broadly that have either exacerbated that or that have, you know, that have actually seen uh, sort of a closing of that gap in the past? I'm curious because we talk a lot about what could be done about that. And, uh, you know, I don't really hear a whole lot of historical context for what are the policy prescriptions that can either explain it or that could be uh, applied to it. Well, I'm glad you asked, because that's a major (laughs) focus of my current research for the last few years. Perfect. Um, To really understand what's happened in the last 40 years, this historically unprecedented increase in income inequality, I think it helps to know what happened early in the 20th century, uh, especially in the 1940s, because that was a period where things became much more equal. Basically, what happened was we became much more equal in the 30s and 40s and 50s than we stayed about at a a very, by American historical standards, very equal. And then about late 70s, early 80s, it turned around, and now we're at a level of income inequality very similar to what we had a century ago. So it's a gigantic U-turn, and frankly, it is largely driven by policies. Not exclusively. There are other things going on. But in the this big equalization in the especially in the nineteen forties, that was the culmination of the policies of the Progressive Era and the New Deal. You had the National Labor Relations Act, which made it much much easier for unions to organize. You had the Fair Labor Standards Act, which established a minimum wage nationally for the first time. You had the Social Security Act. You had regulation of the financial services sector. All of those were in the Roosevelt administration in the thirties. And then they really had their biggest effects in the 40s. And also the huge expansion of educational opportunity, allowing more people to move up. All of those things contributed to this great equalization, what uh, what economists sometimes call the great convergence um, or the great compression. And then uh, about 40 years later, we changed. We either slowed down or reversed many of those policies. Unions are much weaker than they are now. The minimum wage has not kept up with inflation. Educational opportunity continues to grow, but at a much slower rate than it used to. Our tax system is much less progressive than it used to be. So really what happened was in the 30s, policies were directed at helping the bottom 99%. And since the late 70s, early 80s, policies to a very large extent have been directed at at helping the top 1%. What should everyday citizens be doing to sort of prepare themselves? And and I'm, I mean that kind of in not like a like a dramatic way, but, you know, we've been throwing around the word recession. Um, you know, the economy is always going to be sort of going up and down. What are some things that they should be doing to kind of make sure that they're always putting themselves in the best position possible, no matter the economy? Well, I think it's always good to have a cushion. Um, and so if you have some savings, that will help you to weather hard times, if and when hard times come. Of course, most Americans have very little savings. About half of American households are living from paycheck to paycheck. And so what is how much is their wealth? Well, gosh, I got $14 in my pocket. Uh, a lot of people don't even have a checking account. It, I understand that it's hard to save. Because there's so many things that we really view as necessities. You, you have to pay your electricity bill. Um, 
And yet, if people can discipline themselves to save some, that will uh, provide a cushion if hard times come, and it will also provide the foundation for retirement. The earlier you start saving, uh, the better, because the the miracle of compound interest is that a dollar saved when you're 20 uh, is likely to be worth a whole lot more when you retire, whereas a dollar saved when you're 57, if you retire at 65, there's not much room for growth. Charlie, is there anything that we haven't asked that you'd really like to uh, expand on when it comes to to the sort of these broad subjects that we're we're uh, talking about today? Well, you you mentioned income inequality and wealth inequality, and I think you said that a lot of people are a little shaky on the difference. Mm-hmm. Income is how much comes into your household in a year, and it's mostly wages and salaries for most people. And then if you have stocks, you might get dividends. If you have bonds, you might get interest, um, rent if you're a landlord, and then other things like Social Security and um, uh, other transfer payments, unemployment insurance, and so on. That's income, and it's quite unequally distributed, Uh, more unequal than it was 40 years ago by a lot. Wealth is how many assets do you own? For those at the top, it's mostly stocks and bonds. For middle-class households, it's mostly home equity. And the bottom half of American households have no wealth, or essentially no wealth. Like I said, they're living from paycheck to paycheck. As a result, wealth is way more unequally distributed than income. Wealth Mm -hmm. is extraordinarily unequally distributed, whereas income is only very unequal. (laughs) And, And both have become more unequal in recent decades. Charles Ballard, a professor of economics at Michigan State University, really appreciate you joining us here on Mishmash. Thanks. It's been a pleasure.